0: Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name is David Tiltman, and this is the sixth of a special seven part series on effectiveness, which we first developed last year in partnership with Fergus O'Carroll's On Strategy Showcase podcast. Now we've been bringing those episodes to Walk's own podcast channel and running one a week every Tuesday. And the series looks at the important decisions that need to be made throughout the process of developing marketing communications. The philosophy is that effectiveness is uh, is a team sport and it needs to, uh, needs to be thought about from beginning to end. Now, this particular episode features Greg Hahn, who is uh, Chief Creative Officer and co-founder of Mischief and also brings in James Herman of Previously Unavailable. And it looks at the importance of communication between teams to get to great work. And uh, as one point in the the episode makes is the importance of language here. Language reflects culture, the culture within an agency, the culture within the client marketing team, and indeed the culture within the broader client business. Um, and I think this is a really interesting area to explore. Uh, the culture of creative effectiveness is something we're currently looking at closely here at WALK. Uh, We see it as a bit of a missing link when it comes to effectiveness research. We've got growing evidence to help with a lot of the technical elements of effectiveness, how much to spend or where to spend it. But the culture in which those investments are signed off and assessed is just as important. Now, we've been doing a a new piece of research in this, and you'll be hearing more about this uh, in Cannes in June. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. But without further ado, we will hand over to Greg and James, and first of all, to Fergus O'Carroll. I think you come from a really interesting background.
1: You come from uh, 14, roughly, years at BBDO. You were at Fallon before that. You're at your own agency now that you've co-founded called Mischief, which is just killing it. And having having that sort of unique perspective of massive agency and smaller agencies, And the fact that you have a very, in my opinion, a very disarming style and personality. And I hope that sort of gives you a unique perspective into the way creatives think, because I think we as a practice and strategy many times struggle with trying to find the best way to engage with, to motivate, to inspire, to work with uh, creatives in the same way that probably they do they do with many strategists. And maybe clients face the same thing. So for me, I wanted to have you on because I think you're that perfect guy to have that conversation with. Uh, so welcome, Greg. Thanks for being here.
2: Oh, thank you. I I hope I live up to that. Um, I'm a big fan of the show. I I would encourage any creative to kind of listen to the show. It, it's very helpful to hear different points of view on strategy. And uh, so, long time listener, first time talker.
1: Thank you, man. And we, we'll we'll mention to the listener that both Greg and I have got construction projects going on next to us. So if you hear if you hear some loud machinery happening, forgive us because we're trying to. It always happens at the most inappropriate times, right? Yeah, we don't actually live together, so. Yeah, that's right, we don't actually live together. That's right. So let's, let's, uh, let me ask you first, Greg, about your view of strategy, um, you know, I've heard different creative describes in different, described in different ways. And I think that, I think of you as being somebody who really gets excited about strategy, that you would be sort of a strategic creative. What, what has gotten you to that point where you value strategy?
2: Well, I'll say our our whole process at Mischief is two steps. It's first, what to say, and then second, how to say it and i would say we'd spend the majority of our time on the first part is like really cracking down on strategy because i i think as a creative that just makes your job easier and i think strategy when done right is is an education you should come out of that learning something new and giving you a new way to think about something so when you have that as a creative like that's that's gold like you can come out of a session feeling like i know where to go or i have some inkling of what to do otherwise you're staring at a blank page and that's that's a frightening place for a creative.
1: One of the things that, you know, we we've heard on the show, different people talk about about this relationship with, you know, how do you get the best work or how do you get work that works? Is is that importance of the relationship between strategy and creative and client. If, given all of your experience, how how would you describe the various types of creative personalities that you've most often
2: come across? Yeah, in the, in my different agencies, I've come across a lot of different kinds. But a lot, at the core of the thing that probably unites us all is insecurity. So any sort of reflexive, you know, sort of defensive move is probably based on that, a little bit of insecurity. So you just have to make each other feel at ease. You have to trust each other and, and make sure that conversations are constructive rather than destructive. But I think the biggest thing is just understanding what each pe- each person's perspective is and what their role is. You know, I think there's creatives that look at a brief and try to find the flaws and the holes, and you know, it's just an investigative personality. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like where can we poke the holes? What's what, what's missing here? And then the other type looks at it and says, "What can we build from? You know, what's in here that we can take and build from?" And that goes with planners as well when they look at creative. So you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a mix back and forth between those two pools of destroying and creating that you kind of, you kind of reach hopefully a place that everyone's happy with.
1: Are those the two, the two buckets or would you, or do you think there are other ones outside of those two buckets?
2: Well, I mean, I also think just naturally the way we are creatives are bits a bit cynical, you know, we're trained to kind of like find the, the, the um, sort of flaw in 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 a thought or sort of like the the paradox in an idea and that's again that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just the way we kind of look at the world so i i think that's okay as long as it doesn't become your mode of how you view everything like you have to just questioning a questioning mind is a good thing it's just use that in the right way there's an interesting mix in creative departments of extroverts and introverts and you have to give the extroverts, you know, the room to say what they're going to say. And often you get great gems out of that, but the introverts, you really have to pay attention to. Um, I think sometimes I remember, you know, I'd probably err on the side of introversion. I remember some planners early in my crave days would be like, are you excited about the brief? Are you excited about the brief? I'd be like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually kind of frightened right now. <laughs> because you have to learn, you have to come understand that when you give, when you give a creative a brief and if, and it's just the ta-da, here it is, go make something awesome. That's the way it used to be. And that was really scary because you're giving them, you know, they're starting from basically blank piece of paper and you're saying, come back and wow me with something brilliant. And every creative I know starts with, this is going to be the time I can't do it. You know, so you have to understand how to, how to kind of pull that out. And if they're not reacting to the brief in the moment, it's not because they don't believe in it or like it or excited about it. It's just because there's, there's a bit of like fear <laughs> happening of like, I don't want to overpromise that I'm going to nail this because I, I don't know until I try.
1: And, and so with, with that sort of introverted character, is it, is it, is it best to just sort of let it sort of stew and then come back casually mm-hmm. the next day? Or, I mean, how do you approach yeah. it?
2: Yeah, that's the way to do it is kind of like let it let it cuz they'll be thinking about it. The one thing about introverts is, it, is they think, right? So they'll be stewing on it for a couple of days and they'll usually come back with maybe some questions or maybe some thought starters. And then you yeah, as a planner you just kind of like don't be pushy or check don't be checking their homework, but just go, "Yeah, it's been a day, I've been thinking about it. You have any, anything you want to talk about? Um just let me know if there's something that's not quite making sense." You know, come at of a place of like, there might be something that I did wrong as a planner that you might want to help me with kind of things. Just draw people out. One of the things is
1: that we hear a lot about is the idea of getting in early with the creative teams. Um, You know, it's, it just seems to be the most obvious thing to be doing, but it doesn't seem to be happening enough where we're, we're getting into this. It used to be this way, at least there was this idea of the precious brief, that was sort of rolled out into a meeting and and nobody had seen it before and nobody had talked about it and then everybody's supposed to align behind it. That just seems to be completely flawed these days, right?
2: Yeah, to me it's not about the brief. It's about the briefing. So our our briefings are quite long. You know <laughs> I've I've you know sort of alluded to them as TED talks because you come out nice. of them Yeah, you kind of come out of them just feeling like you know so much about like Something about culture, something about the brand you didn't know about, or something about human behavior—it's got all these little insights. So I think we're able to get to work so quick because we all, you know, like I said, it's—it's it's a very collaborative process. We all sit around and talk about it, and investigate all these things, and find—you know—ideas immediately start sparking in that in those conversations. So we know, not To me, the brief isn't as important. It's something to refer back to, but it's really the briefings that that make the difference. And if a creative can't make the original briefing, we will do it all over again, you know, even if it's just a one-on-one kind of thing, because I think those conversations are so important.
1: Since I've started doing this show, I've become more aware of the fact and sort of disturbed by the fact that, um, most of us are sort of practicing what we do based upon a technique. And, um, technique and process the more I do this show the less I see people are using it or they're not using what we think they're using that that much of what's happening when great work is created is more organic than structured it, it's it I, do you find the same thing when you look back on the great work that you've done and you've done a ton of it do you do you sort of see that that it's more organic than it was sort yeah. of structured
2: yeah, I we always say it's like you leave room for magic. Like there's the the brief is really just to get you started. It's not the end zone. You know, it's it's really just to feed all this information into you, and you don't know what part of the brief is going to lead to the the idea or lead to something that leads to something that gives you the idea. So you can't you can't grade the grade the work based on how it fits the brief. It's does the work feel right? And I, I think that everybody has to just kind of. Leave, leave it pretty open to what you do with that brief.
1: But when you, when you talk about it, it, it's sort of, it, it may not be, may not reflect the brief, but it feels right. But then what's mm-hmm. the role of strategy if it is not to do work that sort of hits the brief?
2: Well, I don't, I don't think any work that feels right. If the strategist has done their job will we'll be off brief. I think it just might not be a complete mirror, mirror reflection of the brief. Yeah, might be something yeah. yeah it might be something but there's always you know when the strategist comes comes with the information it's there's always something in there that might lead to the to the thing or in, in in the brief doesn't have to end at the briefing you can go back and forth with i think creatives should go back and forth with planners and you know bounce stuff off of them and we've had stuff that just wasn't leading to the best work and you know planners are like you, okay, well let's if it's not leading the best work, let's just start over. Let's let's it's the brief. You know, in that two-step process, the what to say and how to say it, when I look at work from teams and I, there's just nothing that we're loving, it's usually not the execution, it's usually not like how they're bring it to life. It's just like they don't know what to say or what they're saying isn't true or right or feel, you know, natural.
1: As a creator, a creative director, working with multiple teams, um, what have you learned over the over time about getting the best work out of them? If you have different personalities and they're coming at it from different different perspectives, they're probably like your kids to to a certain degree. You begin to understand what makes them tick, what mm-hmm. makes them what pisses them off, what really drives them over the edge, what makes them run away. Are are you are, are you is that the way you're you're able to approach it? And how do you learn how to sort of how to sort of push the buttons of the different personalities?
2: Well, I think the thing you have to do when you're giving feedback is always explain yourself. Because the worst kind of feedback is "I don't like it" or "keep going." You know, you have to. I I try to go through all the work and explain why something is in or why something is out. And sometimes that's fixable. A lot of times, y- you will see an idea that is seemingly wrong, but there's something in it. And then you just talk about it and hopefully. You know, they'll learn either from the conversation or they'll turn into something great. But I do think I, I do think as a creative director, you have to give a reason why you're why you're killing something or why you've selected it.
1: When you see things going sort of wrong with uh, with planners and creatives, what's most commonly the, the, the issue?
2: I think it's people feeling like getting territorial, like it's not your job to say this. So we have the most um, the way to do this, and in, in building mischief, I, I really looked out for this. Is to find creatives who are very strategic, and then find strategists who are very creative. And the jobs can over. They, it is it is a bit of an oscillation between the two, and that's yeah. okay as long as everyone understands it because we're all kind of building something together. Versus like this is my lane, and then when I'm finished with my process, I show it to you, and that. That's your lane, you know. It's 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 got to be like you say, more organic than that, and that leads to collaboration. That people are, you know, you both feel you've you've invested in something together.
1: I mean, I look at I'm
2: going back a bit now, but
1: I still think of it as my favorite, one of my favorite spots of all time, was herding cats,
2: hmm. and.
1: and- I mean, that that spot of, I'm going to drop it in on our episode page. If anybody hasn't seen that, they need a, they need to see it. It was a brilliant spot for EDS done at Fallon. And I, I think for me at the time, I think I was working on some B2B clients and I was just sort of blown away by the fact that you got it that simple. Did that come out of a, um, a conversation with a planner at that time? Did it come out of a, a you know, did it come out of something that an and, yeah, you know where where did it where where did that sort of a magical moment come from? Because they don't happen frequently.
2: Yeah, I can tell you exactly where that came from. So I still remember. Um, first of all, it was for EDS, which nobody really understands what they do, including me. Like it was a very complicated back of the room sort of tech company that organizes, you know, infrastructure. <laughs> I can't even explain what they do, but I just knew it was something that dealt with some complicated tech, and they wanted to do a Super Bowl spot, which is like the most mass consumer audience. Their real audience was actually, you know, some shareholders and C, C, uh, CEOs of massive companies. So, but they wanted to do something that showed the world they were they were they existed. So I, it, you know, what I did know is that they're involved in in some complicated complicated technology and trying to make it all work seamlessly. So we had that as thought. But I, rem- I remember Dean Hanson, who was the art director at the time. We were at a, actually at, at Motorola for a different project. We were just talking to some engineers and one of the engineers in talking about like how he dealt with like all the computer chips and making all the information go, he said it's a little bit like herding cats and Dean just, that, that idea stuck with Dean. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's just one of those phrases. We had never heard it, but but, but Dean kind of like just wrote it down. Then we were working on this. He, we brought that conversation back up and then I was like, oh, I can write to that. Like, I might not understand the technology, but I, I can obviously write to cats. So like once you took it, you know, metaphor is a great way to take something complicated and make it understandable.
1: Let's talk about the, um, the types of creative personalities. I want to kind of revisit that a bit more because I'm just want to, I want to dig into that because, you know, I've been in a number of different shops during my time and I can remember certain shops where I, nine times out of 10, I would get that, literally that hair on the back of my neck would start to stand up when I saw an idea presented by a creative team. And it was just like, oh my God, the relief, mm-hmm. the joy. Very happy. Yeah, it, it makes could, everybody's job easier. God, it was it was so joyful. And then I've been at other places where, and nine times out of 10, nothing. And it was incredibly difficult to get any sort of interest in going back to further develop uh, ideas. Are, are you, why is it, and this is my opinion, why is it that we that most of what we do is terrible?
2: I don't know if it's creative's fault. I think I think there are good creatives in every agency. It might be the process. What I look for in creative is someone who is internally driven. Um, you can't force someone to work more and be better. They just have to want it. They just have to need it. Like, you know, I kind of alluded to the way I was raised. My parents weren't strict at all. You know, a lot of my friends' parents were much stricter, but I always like was more afraid of disappointing them than than. Misbehaving, so I was I was probably harder on myself than they were on me, right? So a lot of the creatives that we hire, like they they're driven, like they they have a sense of pride. They they won't settle for not making your hair hair rise. We all want the same thing, but some agencies kind of beat that out of people. And the, and it's a bit of a the Sisyphus thing where you if you think it's your project's going to go nowhere, but you have to do it anyway, then they're going through the motions, and that's very hard to reward people or get people motivated. So. I, I think, you know, as a creative director, if you're at a, an agency, just make sure people are getting stuff produced and, and fed and there's reward for it.
1: So the key is there's got to be great, talented people who want to do the same things. Then let's say you, you go through that process as a creative director, you select the work that you feel is best. There's collective agreement on this work going to a client. How do you then like to take it to the client and how do you actually protect it? Because it can go to shit once it goes inside an organization if you don't have your hands on it. Yeah,
2: yeah the, a couple of things. One is just you know, it helps if you have the right kind of clients that come to you for the right reasons. You know, so they know what to Critically, expect. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been what, one of our key, keys to what you know, the success we have had at, at Mischief is that they know what they're going to get when they come to us, so they're not shocked or they're not resistant to the kind of work we want to do. So that that's that's huge. Like you have three partners with your clients. I think that big agencies particularly don't do a great job of branding themselves. When we started Mischief, I was like, we're going to be our best client. We need to create a brand. And I think that it, it, it has helped in some agencies. Like you don't know what they stand for or what you're going to get when you get there, when you go there. So, you know, again, it does build like expectations and trust and like a, a relationship that's starting off on the right foot.
1: So uh thanks to to Greg Hahn uh, in future episodes I really want to be able to dig further into the various uh, personality types both within strategy and and creative. I know there're probably a lot of similarities to them, but I think there's a lot we can learn um, a lot further that we can learn about how to more effectively communicate. Uh, between different personality types in the context of what we do on a day-to-day basis. Um, so thank you to Greg for that. Also, I wanted to introduce a short clip here from an earlier conversation I had in this series with uh, James Herman. It's part of the intro to the series. And uh, James wrote a book called the, C- the Case for Creativity, where he looked at a lot of the sort of data on uh, creatively effective campaigns. And so it's a short clip that introduces us to some of that and you'll notice, of course, that Greg and James actually share a lot of the same points of view, but I thought it was an interesting uh, contrast here. If you haven't read uh, James Herman's book, um, The Case for Creativity, you can pick it up wherever uh, you buy your books. Um, James was actually a uh, both a creative in his past life and also a CSO at Colenso BBDO, In New Zealand. So uh, here's a short clip uh, with a slightly different spin on all of this from James Herman.
3: But what we do absolutely know is that campaigns that have creative award winning qualities, and what I mean by that is they have the things that creative award judges look for, which are three things mainly. One of those things is originality. Has this been done before? Is this a really original idea? One is engagement so is this a really is this the kind of idea that draws people towards it they really want to kind of engage with it Um, and thirdly uh, craft execution so is it executed in a way you know that that really serves that idea really beautifully Um, and work that has those qualities is much much more likely to be highly effective than work that doesn't have those qualities And, and certainly you know that's proven out in all of the data and all of the research around this of which there is now sort of mountains of and the reason that i i the reason that i wrote that book was actually when i became a head of planning i thought about what my role really was you know what i was there to do and ultimately you know my view was that it was about ensuring the agency produces the most effective work possible so I needed to understand what were the constituent parts of effectiveness, and and one of those parts was creativity. I needed to know for myself whether it was important that we chased creative award winning work um, or or it wasn't. You know, should I be pointing my department and our planning process towards creating work that's you know highly creative, or should we be focusing on other things? And so. I undertook that study because at that time, you know, really the research hadn't been done. And and we had lots of rhetoric from creative people about the power of creativity. Um, but we didn't really have a lot of kind of science or data around that proving whether they were right or not. And so so I went on this mission to kind of uncover all of the research that had been done in academic institutions, um, uh, do some of my own research and, and data analysis. At the same time, Peter Field was uh, was doing the IPA study, the link between creativity and effectiveness. And so I kind of brought all of that together and looked at it. And it was... You know, absolutely crystal clear that if we wanted to be the most effective we could possibly be as an agency, we had to be producing work that was highly creative. I do sessions with clients where we just looked at the best work in the world together and we got excited about it together and we looked at how effective it was and and what the characteristics of great work looked like and really kind of got them excited about creativity and gave them enough of a basis for belief that they could defend that excitement internally so that they would come into Colenso They'd walk in asking for highly creative work in the first place, and so that made it much easier. And then the second thing was just having a really close friendship between the planning department and the creative department.
1: Yeah, and I think the the, the best planners have the ability to have the hard conversations with creatives without either side getting uh, offended. And because it's yeah. diff- it's difficult because a lot of ideas are wonderfully imaginative, but it's but the actual connection between the meeting, the business or the marketing goal and the idea, the distance can sometimes be far apart. And I think that's what a lot of planners struggle with is, is being able to have those types of conversations where when they see an idea that's come back from the creative group, it doesn't appear to actually address the strategy that was in the document or in the brief. Having those conversations I think being able to understand ways to have those conversations effectively can make or break careers.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, um, that is the real, that's the true art of great planning is to be in a position where you can have those those conversations and the creative team believes that you are having that conversation in their best interests, not, not just in your own best interests or the client's best interests or whatever. Um, and, and that's about, you know, what I said before about just forming that really strong bond where they really believe you're on their team and that you're on their side. So that gives you permission to have that conversation. And then the other, the other thing is how to have that conversation. And what I think, you know, having been a creative person and also having just worked with incredible creative people and creative directors, what's really helpful, um, when, uh, when you're sort of feeding back on an idea is that you 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 spot the good bit in the idea if you know what i mean um, rather than just saying i don't think this is right um and can you go go away and come up with something else what the what a great creative leader will do is look at work and say that there's a really there's a really good idea or there's a really strong kind of thought in this part of the campaign, this bit of the idea that you've presented. Can we expand on that? Can we use that as a basis to kind of like, you know, develop the campaign further? And what a great planner will do is go, there's a really interesting strategic thought in this bit of what you've presented, right? There's something that's really strategically strong about about this bit, like the rest of it, not sure, but can we develop that bit further? And that
1: could be a headline, it could be a line in, in body copy, it could be an image. Uh, it's totally. that sort of yeah. component, right?
3: Yeah, it could be anything. And like the best, you know, the best people that work in the field of creativity are able to spot the good in ideas, and then work on, you know, how do we fix the bits that aren't right? And so that I think is a skill that every, every planner, should and and frankly, everyone in an agency or a marketing team should really try and cultivate is that ability to first look for the good in an idea, and then and then help shape that in a way that uh, that you know starts to conform more to uh, the the brief or the objectives, or you know help shape that 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 bit of brilliance in a way that is going to mean that it's delivered really effectively.
1: So thank you to both Greg Hahn and to James Herman for their perspectives. This is a big topic, and I wish uh, that we had been able to dig in deeper on certain issues, because for me, this isn't just the language of marketing. It's really about the ability to articulate your concerns, to understand how best to Um, get your point of view across in a constructive way and being able to earn the respect of people in how you approach um, that process. Because that is where things start to fall apart. And I think as an industry, we really have to be able to perform at our best as individuals and as teams in order to produce the most effective work. And if people don't feel that they have the ability to articulate their their contributions or their concerns or their suggestions, and find that they're getting shut down as a result of that, that's a disservice to the industry. And you can be an incredibly articulate and uh, educated and smart individual, but if you're not able to work effectively with other personalities, um, there's um, you're at a, you're at a significant disadvantage, and as a result. No matter how well you get along with your client, as a result, if you're not able to work effectively in a culture, it ends up being something that impacts the work and ultimately impacts effectiveness. So I think there's some great areas that we can dig into deeper in 2023, and I look forward to that,
0: and we'll see everybody on the next episode. So thank you to Greg, to James, and of course to Fergus. Uh, we'll be back with the next installment in this series next tuesday Uh, that's the final episode and that's on media measurement with karen nelson field Uh, the regular walk podcast returns on thursday uh, and if you've enjoyed what you've heard please do follow us on your podcasting platform of choice and if you really like what you've heard do leave us a review until next time thanks for listening